consultations with Alaskan gardeners, Margaret Tharp of Landscape Alaska and David Lindrum. We're ready. Ask us anything. This is a call-in show, 907-586-1800. We're going to talk about landscaping and gardening. We're going to talk about flowers. How beautiful Alaska is. Boy, it's so pretty today. Isn't it luscious? The, the, it is lush. And it's driving, a fine summer day. Boy, driving past Norway Point and looking down the channel, mm-hmm. stunning. It's just stunning. Uh-huh. It really makes me think of just how, how soft the surface really is. I know. Yeah. It just looks like, I don't know. Like you could lie back in it and just sink forever. <laughs> get eaten to death by bugs, but anyway, well, there that's is reality. That. There are some <laughs> bugs out there. And, uh, and speaking of bugs, if you have those uh, rhododendron pests that are chewing on the edge of your rhododendron leaves, come and see me. I've got the nematodes that are going to take care of that. Oh, I have to have nematodes for my job. Right. Anybody who has that pest eating on their rhododendron leaves... Even if you don't notches. have it, put it in as a preventative. <laughs> well, that's, there's always that because it's a pretty prominent pest here, mm-hmm. and and once it gets going, the worry is not so much the beetle eating the leaves as it is the beetle's babies eating the roots, and the beetle's babies are down there burrowing around and eating on those little tender rhododendron roots, and they can really really wreak havoc on it, and this is a naturally occurring nematode just in much larger numbers and it'll go down there in the solution you pour it around the base of the rhododendron it gets down there in the dirt and the little nematodes go hunting for those beetle babies and eat them which we just love that's right so uh and and that's been a really remarkably successful treatment over the years here that's uh in just a couple of years, you can turn that rhododendron, which is barely hanging in, into another big, vibrant plant. And this is a time to fertilize them. It is. And the perfect you know, time to fertilize them. Uh, rhododendrons kind of act like an umbrella because they're evergreen and they cover up their roots because of how they're shaped. So you, when you, even though it's the ground is moist from all the rain we have, if you really want to fertilize and take care of your rhododendron, you have to water it first underneath the leaves so the crown of the plant and all around it gets moist before you fertilize it. And when you fertilize it, you rake your mulch away so that the fertilizer can get down to the dirt. Rake that mulch out beyond the extent of the leaves, put the fertilizer down, rake the mulch back. Oh, but so before, you, before you rake the mulch away, get off the old infected leaves off the surface. And... Where you fertilize is out at the drip line, which is where the end of the the branches are. You go in five or six inches and out five or six inches so that it covers both inside and outside. And that would be particularly true on something like a lilac or a rose bush or a flowering cherry or something that has that same kind of root system. And so make sure that whenever you're fertilizing those things, you put your fertilizer in a big ring around the outside of the plant. Yeah. Don't go up around the inside. No, not around the trunk. Out and, of what they call the drip line. And the fertilizer for rhododendrons, choose something that has micronutrients. Iron and copper and cobalt, molybdenum, boron, particularly magnesium. And, and that, weren't you reading about applying, not applying nitrogen after the end of June mm-hmm. to plants? Right. I thought that was really interesting. Right. And, and that's why we say fertilize them before the 4th of July. 
You want to make sure that you get your major fertilizing for the rhododendrons done before the 4th of July. And all old-time rhododendron farmers, that was their, their catchword. So they would start as soon as they could in the spring and feed it a couple times before it flowers and then once right after it flowers, and then they would let it go. And, and you know, that's, that time is coming on now. If you look around your town, rhododendrons are opening everywhere. Oh, they're so beautiful. Really, so really beautiful. so pretty. And those old ones with the dark red flowers and the lavender pink flowers and the beautiful... Cast iron, cast iron hybrids. And the beautiful white ones. It's hard to believe how pretty white rhododendrons can be. Catabiensis alba. Very those pretty. ones we gave the city that are over there by the skate park. Just They've got go, to be, just go to town. That's really, and and, and they've know, been in bloom for a month already. They're coming to the end of their bloom time. And you can't think that anybody babies those plants. No. <laughs> no, no, no. They they might get a, a lick of fertilizer every now and then, but mostly they get the back of the hand. But they love it. They're beautiful. Yeah. But, uh, still, it's the Yaku hybrids that take my heart. Well, they're the, for me too because they can take the snowplow. Which is amazing. I mean, and, not plowed on it, but and they don't seem on. to get those leaf diseases. Not as uh, not not at all. Yes, very interesting, and they're a, a totally different kind of plant. So you were reading about the disease that attacks the roots on different kinds, of, and, and the vine maples and the maples get it too. It's called what? Phytophthora. Phytophthora. That's it. Phytophthora, and it's a a soil-borne disease. And the indications are... How do you spell a, it? With a whole lot of letters. There's a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I could start and kind of work my way toward it. Hello, good morning. Landscape Alaska yes. Conversations. Yes, good morning. My husband was kind enough to get me... A Hang on just a minute. Let me turn my mic up. Let's try it again. Okay. Start again, please. Okay. <laughs> Anniversary gift from my husband was the roadie from your from your place a couple of days ago, and I have a few questions. What are your thoughts about putting it in a pot? I mean, I, I'm having a hard time finding a place in my yard for it. But if I do put it in the yard, um, how how large a hole and what kind of um, medium would you use? And um, the nemat what are they called? Nematodes. Nematodes. Mm-hmm. How do I know if I, I have two roadies right now. How do I know if that's the issue? Their leaves are spotted and they don't seem healthy, but it always blooms beautifully. Okay. You'll ask a question. That's a bunch. Okay, so we'll start with the last one. The way you know that if you have that particular bug is that the edges, the outside edges of the leaves, they look like somebody took a ticket punch and punched holes around the edges of it. Oh, I see. Okay. So that's a that's a very very particular kind of a pest, and as far as as a how uh, how to plant it, you'll dig a hole. I know the plant you're talking about, and it's a it's a big beautiful Nova Zembla, and it's in bloom right now. Nova Zembla is probably the most popular roadie here. And well, this one's low. I'm not sure that that's true. It's not in bloom yet. This oh, one, um, yeah. a different family. <laughs> Oh, that's a different rhododendron. Okay. Anyway, you- I would say putting it in a pot would not be a good idea. Plants have a hard time surviving in pots, and evergreens, especially, getting through the winter would be a challenge. So, putting it in the ground is your best bet. And when you do plant 
things, you make it wider than you do deep. So, so that it has worked up ground so the roots can reach out because nothing grows down here. <laughs> it all goes out. You know, think about the trees that fall in the forest. They have huge footprints, but they're not very deep. You know, 18 inches, something like that. So try to find a place in your yard for it because it'll grow and give you years of happiness. And it wants to be, you know, bright. It doesn't have to be in full sun all day long, although it'll take that here. But as long as it's bright, unless it's buried deep in the forest under the big trees, you're going to get some bloom out of it. You're going to get some shape out of it. But really, you don't want it to end up with just a few tufts of leaves on the ends of the long, bare branches. You know, that's uh, you got to feed it as it grows. And and uh, did you just get this this rhododendron? Yeah, two days ago. And uh-huh. does it does it have a name on it? Um, well, it's downstairs, and I'm upstairs. Okay, so that's okay. Um, but I have one. Will will heavy snow on top of it um, really uh, will it hurt it? Because that's the, uh, the place that I'm thinking of is a place where snow is blown onto it from a neighbor, and I don't want it to. Um, and then it gets deep. <laughs> right. So, so uh, it really that- depends on what the variety is. So when you the next time you are down by your rhododendron, give David a call and tell him what kind it is. And he mm-hmm. can tell you how hardy it is to snow being blown on it. The bigger cast iron hybrids that you see that are actually quite large around town, they don't want things blown on them. But the compact dwarf Yakusimenas that have kind of kind of like fur underneath their their leaves, they're really mm-hmm. tough and sturdy. So though they wouldn't really like snow being blown on it, they could probably take it. Okay, well... It wouldn't take much for the snow to cover them completely right. in our yard. So it's look at the rhododendrons at the Wells Fargo Bank. They're planted underneath their sign, and they actually okay. get snow piled up on top of them. Oh, And okay. they're not, I mean, I'm not saying a car, you know how the snow plows just push it against the edge and push it against the edge and push it against the edge, and then eventually it piles up. You know, I would say they, yeah. they're buried in snow. But they don't fall apart or break or anything. And that's one of the reasons why I find them so sturdy for, okay. for that kind of application. But if you don't have a Yakusimena, uh, then and it's a cast iron hybrid, you're going to want to put it in a more protected spot. And the phrase cast iron hybrid refers to a whole class of, of uh, rhododendrons that are large plants, get, get uh, oh, five, six, seven feet tall and as equally wide and are in the red, pink, lavender, and white tones. That's what... This is a Capistrano primrose. You have what? A Capistrano primrose. Oh, oh. you have a yellow one. Now, yeah. now wow. you're talking. Uh-huh. They, they're they really pretty. I wouldn't put it someplace where the snow's going to get blasted on it. No, it's the only yellow rhododendron we have access to. It's going to grow and be absolutely spectacular. And it'll get to be six feet up and wide make sure you put it someplace you can look at it it's really really special congratulations <laughs> I wish I had one <laughs> you, well, I you, think we're going to have to take it out to get Stavis then because I, there's an in place here that it works so here's the second question what kind of medium works best with it what kind of soil I mean is it um, miracle grow or 
Oh, you mean what kind of fertilizer? Well, um, you know, Miracle Grow uh, makes that. Oh, she's talking about potting soil, bag potting soil. soil. Well, what would you suggest? You want some type of organic in, but you can have a lot of sandy soil as long as you have some. You, you can use bark. You can use uh, potting soil like you're talking about or peat moss and blend it in. You can use some chicken manure. Any of those things working into sand or sandier soil will be fine. Rhododendrons are really pretty tough, and they, they, uh, you know, they grow in the mountains, so in there's natural habitat. So uh, as long as it's free draining and you're able to feed it, you know, if you thought mm-hmm. about a rhododendron as an animal tied up at your, your garden gate, look at it about a 650-pound hog, okay? So if you want it wow. to perform for you and have it be a beautiful plant like you have, then you're going to need to, you know, feed it three times a year. Early, early okay. spring, regular spring. Just before flowering would be regular spring, and then right after flowering would be the last one. Okay. So, I, I, just one last question, I'm sorry. No, it's um, fine. The rhodes that I have um, here in Juneau, uh, my leaves have uh, burnt, like burnt spots on them. Right. And so my question is, what causes it, or what do I need to do? Um, I'll tell you. Okay, so there are a lot of things that attack rhododendron leaves. And when you look, Oregon State has a website that has a lot of pictures of rhododendron leaves, and so does the American Rhododendron Society. Give them the name of that website, Dave, so they can look it up themselves. Northwest, okay. Northwest Plant Disease Handbook. Okay. Northwest, yeah, I think that's what it's called. And the American Rhododendron Society also has a website that, that has a big section on rhododendron leaf diseases. But essentially, they are fungus diseases. So the outside of the rhododendron leaf, the mature rhododendron leaf, has a waxy, ki- waxy covering so that things can't get to it. But when it's really young and it's just expanding, the time right after the flowers fade, when the young growth is expanding, it doesn't have that covering on it yet. And so if the weather is such like we have most of the time here, where uh, fungus diseases are likely to grow, then when that young growth is starting, you're going to spray it with something like uh, rose and flower fungicide, something that's designed for protecting roses. And, and the same kind of funguses are going to attack the rhododendron. And uh, there, are, there are fungus diseases that make it look like it's been burned. There are ones that make it look like it has the measles. There are ones that make it look like there are uh, clouds of red dust hanging on the bottoms of the leaves. Those are all particularly different ones, but that kind of spray is what you would use for that. And you use it not as a response to the disease, but to prevent the diseases. Does that make sense? Only when the leaves are young. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Because once they get old, they're not they're not vulnerable. But that what you see on the old leaves got them. They got it when they were young. And also keeping your rhododendrons underneath your rhododendrons clean by raking up all the dropped leaves helps keep okay. fungus down. You know, because okay. it spreads from there. And you know, oh, right. living in a rainforest like we do, there's fungus everywhere. <laughs> so all you can yeah. do is kind of have it be part of your maintenance chore throughout the garden yearly. And it's not like right. they're, they're all going to get it and they're all going to die from it. You know, it's kind of a, a background symphony. There's a, <laughs> there's a conversation between our cultivated plants and the, 
and the fungal partners they have. Right, right. He's a romantic, well, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate all your information. Thank you so much. Good luck and don't hesitate to call us again. Right, and that rhododendron is a beautiful, beautiful plant. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. And speaking of rhododendrons, uh, I was arranging a sale this last week for this weekend, having the, the weeping spruce trees be a featured item because I'm so enthralled with them. And Margaret pointed out to me that, you know, next week is Father's Day. Got to start now. So this is my initial announcement right now, starting today. It's a rhododendron and roses sale, 10% off. And and the weeping spruces. And, of course, the, the weeping, weeping spruces. spruces. And if you want to uh, to see the weeping spruces, they are so graceful looking. One of them, it, outside the old Walmart, which is now U-Haul, at the edge of their parking lot, close to where the front door used to be, is a huge weeping spruce that once it gets down on the ground, grows like a ground cover. And it's just thick. And, of course, it's not been taken care of and it's not been weeded and all that. But it is Perfect. beautiful. Uh-huh. You know, there's not a brown tip or anything on it. And being able to see things, you know, one thing in the nursery, you buy something when it's younger for the most part. But seeing how it ages, you know, so how old is that building? 25 years? That that yeah. that spruce has been there 25 years. Mm-hmm. And you get to see what it looks like in maturity. And uh, whether it's weedy or not, it's it's fabulous. And they have weedy, I mean, they have, they have weeping spruce trees at the entry to the Home Depot also out in that big lawn. But they've just been set out there like icons. You know, they really, they look magnificent when you plant them among rocks and other shrubbery and let them crawl around and have them trailing down over a rock wall. That's a superb use of them. Yeah, they're beautiful. And, and the same thing is true. So anyway, of you're weepers. having a sale. Oh, yes, I'm having a sale. <laughs> 10% off. 10% off for roses, this, rhododendrons, and, and 20% on the spruces. And uh, the rhododendrons are just starting to bloom. They're absolutely beautiful. If and you're interested in rhododendrons, come to the nursery and, and buy some because we're running out, to tell you the truth. Uh-huh. We have one Edith Bosley left, which is a really dark purple. Not lavender, dark purple. Really, really purple. And she's just starting to flower right now. Good morning, Conversations. Good morning. Hi. Uh, speaking of rhododendrons, I bought a rhododendron plant quite a number of years ago, and I swear I bought a pink one. But now it is covered and just covered in white blooms. Is you did know that happen? I, you know what I bet? You know, yeah. You tell her. I bet. <laughs> I, I bet you got one of those that starts pink. The buds are dark and dark pink, and as they open, they fade to silver color. White. Is they that fade how to white. That's how the rhododendrons at the bank bank are at Wells Fargo. They come. They start pink, dark pink, and then as they age, they stay pink for while they open. But then as they start to get more mature, they bleach out to white completely. So when you drive by Wells Fargo, see if that looks like your rhododendron, because that means it's a type of rhododendron that does that. And that's the one we were talking about earlier about being so good for our climate because they just don't get winter damage. Thank you very much for your comments. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So, rhododendrons are everywhere. You know, a lot of people don't appreciate rhododendrons. It's kind of like, ho-hum, it's just another rhododendron. But when you really think about what a rhododendron is and that 
there are places in the world where there's forests of rhododendron, mm-hmm. you know, and that you walk underneath them, they're so big. And the flowers are up on top, you have to be in an airplane to see them in bloom. You know, they're like that on Mount Hood. They have a forest of rhododendron. Yes, I have been there. I've been there when it's in bloom, and, and it is stunning. And of course, in the Himalayas. I worked and in think a about Elfrida's garden in Norway. Yeah, you know her uncle getting seed from you know the the Victorians traveled the world, collecting seed and sharing them with other enthusiasts and stuff like that. And you know he started his rhododendrons from seed. It was they were just amazing. And Elfrida beat back the environment to make it be beautiful once again in her house there. It was, it was just fabulous. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I also love about rhododendron is that how easy they are to move. Do you decide you want to, you know, we want to move up to 25 well, feet? Well, let's not say easy. They weigh a lot. They weigh a lot. You got to have You got to have some really beefy people to help you move them. But it works. Yeah. It works and works well. Margaret and I moved a rhododendron last year. It was we had some eight, help. eight feet tall and eight feet across. Right. We used a forklift and had four people doing it, but... Pick them up, set them over, and set them back down again. You, you really Didn't use miss a beat. You really use a landscape fabric or a tarp, and you have to slip it underneath the ball after you've dug it up, and make it go underneath the ball. They're shallow rooters, so that part's not bad. But depending on how wide the ball is, it has to do with how heavy it is. And you hold it together by having a tarp or landscape fabric underneath it so that the ball doesn't crack when you move it. That's the biggest challenge. But once you have that together, yes, having a a forklift or something to help you move is a big deal. Yes. And if anybody's interested, you know, I'll be glad to draw them some pictures and talk about it. Come and see me. It's it's an interesting thing to do. So I was talking to Tyler. It makes you feel really powerful, I'll tell you what. It does. It (laughs) does. I was talking to my friends at Tyler Rental this morning, and their uh, June promotion is still ongoing for the rest of June, battery-powered tools. But Stacy said, pay particular attention to the pressure washers and lawnmowers. And she showed me a, a selection of pressure washers, from the small one like I have to keep our equipment clean, to great powerful ones that I, I wouldn't say rip up roads, but do industrial kind of work. Clean houses and stuff. Clean houses, I, I clean sidewalks. In, I could use it on the inside of my house. Dream on. <laughs> yes. Well, Tyler's a great place to go find that stuff, and they're open today. Until noon. Until, until noon. They're not open tomorrow. But during the week time, they're the place to go. Not just for that kind of equipment and tools, but for all kinds of safety gear. And they've got a shop devoted to welding and metalworking. And, great work gloves. And, and uh, I tell you what. We go through that uh, safety equipment religiously. Yep. Make sure that everybody's always got, you know, hand, ear, nose, eye protection, as well as a hard hat. And Stacy, thanks a lot for uh, keeping me updated on what's what's new. So uh, I'll be open at Landscape Alaska today, uh, from ten o'clock to four o'clock. Let's talk a little bit more about the root diseases that we started with before we got called phytophthora How, look it up on your phones spell it p-h-y p-t-h-o-e-r-a i'm not a speller <laughs> <laughs> and i'm only an approximate speller and it it 
And it is a virus? A uh, bacteria. A bacteria. Soil-borne bacterial disease. And, and it affects quite a few and plants. And fungal. Yes, quite a few plants. And there are specific ones that attack, attack specific plants. So there's, there's a Phytophthora syringae that attacks lilacs. And there's Phytophthora rhododendron that attacks rhododendrons. And then there's one that, that, that uh, attacks maple trees. maples where mm-hmm. it dies a branch at a time. Yep. And that's really the clue. It's not the whole plant doesn't get affected. It goes at a branch at a time. And that means that some, some section of the root has gotten infected. And mm-hmm. that there's a, like a ribbon. You know, the the ribbon goes from the edge of the root up to the trunk, up the trunk, out the branch, and that's all one connected run. Mm-hmm. So once that gets affected, that whole run gets affected, and it will spread to other parts of the. Eventually, it works its way it, around. It'll kill the whole thing. Uh, and so, if your your old lilac that came with the house is dying off a branch at a time, that's really what's going on. And is there any way to treat it? Not really. Okay. Just be uh, ready to replace it. Make bouquets. Make bouquets, that's right. Boy, I've seen some beautiful, beautiful lilacs. You know, as hard as the winter was, the crab apples and the lilacs and the rhododendrons have just gone to town. It's the crab apples that stunned me, you know. I was looking just a couple days ago. I was out in the middle of the valley, came around the corner, and there's a, a street out there with these huge white crab apples in full bloom. I, just, you just got to pull I over to the side of the road and look at I them. I saw my first weeping crab apple in full bloom. It's on the corner of Riverside Drive and, I don't know, something. It's amazing. And I've never seen, if I've seen a weeping crab apple, it wasn't in flower. And this Uh one was just amazing. And uh, Mary, who lives on St. Anne's. Yes. In the house at the bottom of the hill there, you know. Her lilac is spectacular. What color is it? Dark purple. It's, it's huge, and it's absolutely loaded with flowers. I mean, if you walk down that street, you smell it a block away. Isn't that fun? Uh-huh. And it has Navigating a red, by aroma. And it has a red rhododendron, a Nova Zimbla, in bloom at the same time. That's really, really beautiful. Good job, Mary. Let's go look at it. I did. Before we go home. When I went to work at the Treadwell. Oh, yeah. Margaret was working down the Treadwell Park. Treadwell Office Building. was Margaret's creation as a landscape architecture project. And she did that while she was in college. And then the city bought that plan and made a park out of it. It was really, as we all know, it was uh, always an attractive area and belonged both to the city and to the power company. But it it wasn't developed like it is. And really that whole circulation path and uh, Well, there's a whole other part to that plan I'd like to see him implement apply someday too and that I made a plaza down by Sandy Beach with a time a time clock in the paving talking oh, about got historic right. events what that happened? happened in Alaska in the world uh-huh. and uh, also the, another ice rink with an atrium to share between oh, the two of them I got you so let's talk about that sometime I think we're drawing closer to the end of our time today then we want to go down there but what she, what she was doing this last time was she planted the same kind of hydrangeas around that office building that have been planted around the capitol building and use and roses uh-huh. and so this is the time to take care of all those things if you have those things in your yard you know look at what what has been done in the the professional arena and see that that's the kind of thing you want to do now you want to make sure that they're pruned that they're trimmed that they're Fed. clean that they're w- 
cluttered. That's right. And then new fresh bark around them. Makes it look so much prettier. So uh, we'll be going about our assigned tasks today. Dave will have a sale up the nursery. Come see him. That's right. And Margaret will have her landscape crew out working in the world. Mowing lawns. Pruning trees. Planting flowers. Fertilizing beds. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So we're coming up. We've got two more minutes. Let's have a two-minute nugget. What? Okay. What kind of nugget? Well... How about, uh, what's the most unusual thing that you can think of we have in the nursery today? Well, I'm kind of fascinated by those ice plants. And I want to plant them in terracotta pots and let them be dry. Mm-hmm. Because I think they'll flower a lot. I think they will, too. They look, they look really sturdy. They're a zone four plant. I know. So, well, that's us. So that's perfect. And, and, and plant them underneath the eaves so it stays dry. Don't have them out where it gets so wet. Mm-hmm. Anyway. With a big sign that says, do not water me. That's <laughs> right. Love is dry hands. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So Take care, Juno. It's a beautiful weekend. Live it up. Send us an email, landscapealaska at gmail. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, this is Mark and Dave for Landscape Alaska. And we're wishing you all happy gardening.